welcome to Warp Zone, a podcast on sci-fi, philosophy, religion, politics, gaming, and anything else taboo. taboo. Welcome, I am Ben Banasic. I'm Tara Smith. Hello, we're here at the University of Sydney in the Red Rum Room. Yay! Again, at the Fisher Library. Yep, 401C if you mm. want to come say hello. Yeah, why is it called the Fisher Library? Oh, don't start that. <laughs> Stop asking questions you don't have answers to. I like doing that every episode. Um... I should make that a thing, eh? What? Just, I'll ask a question that we have no answer to. Yeah. That, yeah. And then we can, like, yeah. we can, like, spend yeah. 10 minutes of silence Googling yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Keys. Speaking of keys, this week I got my backer survey for my Keychron keyboard, my mechanical keyboard. Or like, are you on part of the Reddit? There's a subreddit forum for mechanic keyboards. They're, oh, they're hot at the moment. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm on a Facebook group, which people is on Reddit just talk for those. about it. A lot. Yeah, it's it's big. So I'm getting the brown Gatron switches. Ooh. <laughs> mechanical. Can you show me a picture? I uh, will later. later okay. It's not going to be great for the listeners. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, I was lying in bed the other morning and um, yeah. Discussing with Jody and Isaiah as to what colour keycaps I'm going to be getting. Yeah. Were they as thrilled with the conversation as I expected? Isaiah was excited. Yeah. Yeah. He likes it, but Isaiah's excited about everything. That's true. You're struggling with your laptop. I'm just not sure where to put it. Put it up there. Whether I need it or not. Probably not. Oh, yeah, we can get it after after we've spoken. Um, So, you want to hear about my terrible week? Yeah, I feel like you're itching to tell me. Yeah. So, um... You know Pokemon's coming out on Thursday? No, of course yeah. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I see you saying posts. I'm on your Instagram, yeah. I'm on Facebook. You know, there was a new Pokemon TCG release last week, which was Cosmic Eclipse, so that's like yeah, the trading card game. You had bought heaps of games, you were prepped, right? Okay, so oh, no. Cosmic Eclipse comes out last week, okay. right? Okay. So I pay that supplier, yeah. account down to zero, accounting on what's going to happen over the weekend, yeah. that should be all fine. Friday happens... Um, I get a letter in the mail saying you've been deducted $884 out of your account because someone has used an unauthorized credit card on the account and we've withdrawn it. So I've traced it back and it was on so the So hang on, I don't understand. So they've given you your money back? No, they've taken the money out of the account. Oh. So I go and have a look at the transaction on the 19th of October and the 20th of October. So on the 20th of October, this one was four, and it was one single payment of $884 where someone got a Switch and heaps of games and plus controllers and all of this stuff. They've used them a stolen credit card. I'm like, how the fuck does this happen? So they picked up the FPOS terminal at the shop and they've manually keyed in their code um, in front of the staff members, right? So those staff spoken to. I then check the account. So Jody and I are talking about this going, shit, okay, now the account's going to be in debit, but it's only $884. Okay, we should be able I'm to I'm so confused. That. So hang on, they've come in, they've grabbed the FPOS machine, and yep. they've put in payment. Put for... the code in, do, 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 you know, by uh, using a stolen credit card. Oh, now, the person who has the I stolen see. credit card... So they, card... they went to pay for their... Their things with a mm. stolen credit card. Yeah. Okay, now, I'm what happens phone. when you do a stolen credit card? It should have come up on the machine straight away. Mine comes up with this card is unauthorized. Z -z 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 -z. Like it was spit out of receipt. No, not if you've used the um the pin number thing on the back. Oh, they did it like that rather mm. than like a tap. Correct. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. okay. So then the day the day before, what had happened? There was three transactions by the same customer. So whilst oh. Jody and I are sitting there on the lounge. I get notifications that there is further deductions come out of my account. So it's a total of $2,050 that has been taken out of the business 
after I paid for all of the Pokemon stock and zeroed off the account, and was going to use those funds to actually pay for the Pokemon. But Switch. hang on, so they paid they paid with them someone else's. It shouldn't be your problem. It should the be the ba- bank's problem. Well, you think that, but when you make a complaint to the bank, the bank then goes and recovers those funds. So we've chased up with our insurance; it's not covered under insurance. So what happens to that money? It's gone out of the business. That's it. Two thousand dollars gone. Really? And to make up for that two thousand dollars, because I'm basically a thirty percent profit margin business, right? So I don't care. Everyone, listeners, you all know that. So about thirty percent average across the store, um, which is normal. And out of that, you have to pay for you know uh, rents, staffing, um, and then you know stockers. Right. And after that, there's there's basically very little left. Um, so to recover that two thousand dollars, I have to sell seven thousand dollars worth of stuff. Right. To actually make two thousand dollars profit, and then I'm even, but there is no possibility to do that. So, it's a shit. It's a really bad time of year. Did to you happen. find the, who the customer is? Do they know it's stolen? No, it's been reported to the police. Um, but they're obviously doing it on purpose, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and um, because it was on the twentieth of October, I've got eight cameras in the store. It records everything, you know, for basically twenty days or something. Or what is it? Eighteen days? Nineteen? But anyway, so it was three days out. So I deleted that stuff. Oh, no. So there's no way to get that. No. So you don't know who it was? No. But you you can see what they purchased, right, when they came in? Yeah. Did the staff remember anything? Yeah. They know who it is? No. Oh. Do they remember what they look like? Yeah. So they've made reports and stuff. So, yeah. Saturday, 1200. Wait, hang on. So you said that it records for how long? 20 days. No, No, that's how long. It was outside of that period. So, yeah. But, but... how long does it keep its storage, your video camera? It's basically two weeks. So you yes. took two weeks for you to realise that that person had stolen? The bank had notified me on Friday. The bank, Why did it take them so long? Because it takes a while for the person to make Shit. the complaint against the bank and then the bank to try and recover oh, those funds. Okay. And then... So what's happened is the person... Who's, whose card goes missing and it takes them that long to fucking cancel it? They could have notified that day, but it could have been the oh bank's process God. going, oh, yeah, 21 days, me, 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 you know. Oh, wow, <laughs> it's, so it yeah. just got, like, delayed, delayed, delayed. Yeah. But still, that means that person's had the card walking around for at least, like, four days without it being cancelled. No, right? they could have had it for that, that day. They could have oh. backsnatched that day, used the card straight away. Right. Shit. Yeah. But then they came back the next day. So Using a different card. Oh. That sneaky bugger. Yeah. Yeah. But you didn't record the money today. I don't have those recordings anymore. Damn. Yep. Yep. So, um, Pokemon Sword and Shield this week. Um, Don't tell me your stock didn't come. I'm going to actually struggle to have it on the shelf. Why? Uh, Because I have to pay that supplier and that $2,000. Do you want to borrow $2,000? No, I don't want to borrow (laughs) Um, I have two thousand. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> but yeah, this is—it's bad. It's—it's it's real bad. So but hang on, but the stock's coming though, right? Some, Pokemon some stock, not as much stock, and then yeah. I'll have to get other stock released then on Friday, on Wednesday. So it's pushed back everything because I was going to get an Alzheimer's mm, yeah. order. That you need the timing always to be quite. It's like bang on, yeah. So I had this plan going into Friday that I'll pay for Oz Animat stock, which is Vanguard. Vanguard will sell on Tuesday. Then there'll be a boost on today's sales, which means then I can get in for the payment for yeah. Pokemon today. So that's that's like that you're two grand away from disaster. Uh yeah. Well, I, I didn't know that. if it was yeah. three days earlier, right. I would have said, okay, Banter, I'll hold off yeah, on paying okay. you that two grand. Now, Banter's not going to say, oh, yeah, we'll give you the $2,000 back because I've paid for stock that they've sent me. Yeah. 
Um, and that stock is going to sit around for like four weeks. Shit. Meanwhile, I need stock for this week. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't help because Banta, the, the Pokemon people that I get cards in for the store, they're not getting enough stock for Christmas or anything. They're just like, sorry. Right. Nintendo, you know, Pokemon company not printing enough. So, that sucks. Yeah. So that's what I've been doing. Yeah, trying mm. to work out of that stuff. Yeah, so I was in the shop on Saturday for part of the day. I was in the shop all day Sunday. I went in the store yesterday as well, and we've dressed the store ready for Christmas um, with baubles and stuff. And it's really hard because, like, you know that there's something such, like, so debilitating for the business, and you just have to put on a happy face and go, Mm. this is good, this is great. That's how often do people pay, though, using the full digits of their card? That's that disabled sense? now. I found out how to disable Right, it. yeah, because that's pretty sus, right? Yeah. Normally, the only times I've ever done it at my job is when they can't remember their PIN, like, like yeah. really elderly people. Or well, we do it... So the reason why I've got it in the store is not for that reason, so we don't usually do it in store, yeah. but this person knew how to do it, so they've grabbed the machine, and whilst one of the staff members' backs was turned... Oh, right. And he comes out. It's gone really quickly and done it. Right, so they've yeah. just gone... Uh, it's, it's, there's like four steps. Isn't there a code for your? Yeah. Isn't um, there a code for your ATM? Machine? No, you don't need a code. Oh really? No. Mine, there's one on mine. No, because these are in inbuilt terminals to the actual computer system. Right. Okay. Once you authorize the sale, it sends a sale out to the right, Xbox. Okay. Um, anyway, that's a schmozzle. What a yeah, pain in the arse. Yeah, it was real shit. Um, What's gonna? Ha- is there anything? So now they can't do that. But is there anything else you could do differently? Could you make the cameras store stuff for a bit longer? No, because it's all HD and it's eight cameras being restored. Right. Like, so, so I'm, I'm at capacity already, yeah. um, which is normal. I even called the center and they're like, oh, shit, lucky you did because we're two days out from deleting that. So they were two days out as well. And this is the actual center. So they've put a hold on the cameras out the front. So maybe there might be some idea right, for the okay. police. Wouldn't they have, isn't down. there a chance that they'd strike, struck at someone else's business as well? Yeah, 100%. But you don't know who? No. Hmm. Because I would have thought it unlikely they would have just... Yeah, well, they stayed in the centre on the Saturday for two hours in between. Right. And they've gone around and walked around, so... Yeah. It's really bad. It's really, really bad. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, Pokemon, we are getting the orders for the customers, so mm-hmm. that's good. That's the priority. So, no one is left disappointed. Yeah. But whether we have stock for the shelf, that's another problem. Whether I personally get a Pokemon <laughs> Switch as well is another problem as well. Yeah. So it personally affects me. Yeah. Because I also enjoy Pokemon. Yeah. yeah. I don't like that they've cut so many Pokemon species, so it's sad. Which, okay, which Gen 5 Pokemon do you actually care about that has been cut from the Well, game? they've cut heaps. Like, they haven't got, like, I like Scyther. I don't think Scyther's in it. Scyther. He's Gen 3, isn't he? Yeah, right. he's in. Are you sure? Yeah. It's not gentle. No, they've cut some of the early ones too, haven't they? See, this is a problem. You, I don't you, know. <laughs> you, you just got on the bandwagon going, oh, they cut it. Yeah, down. it's not good. Um, no, okay, so there's no national, well, there's not going to be a national dex in future, but that's good. I'm going off the gaming forums that aren't happy about yeah, it. Yeah, they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> this is just nerd rage. And yeah. then Pokemon will come out and it will be popular. Like, it's it's one of the most. But the, have you, they've also, have you seen the, like, the reason they said they cut, they're putting them in the graphics, and the graphics are really shit. Like, they zoom yeah. in on the character, like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> like, move inside. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's, well, there's reasons for it. And also, some of the, uh, those Pokemon are quite meta, and they were created to be meta. You know, Pokemon Black, yeah. one and two, the, the 
Pokemon were fucking huge, and you know. But this will be the le- least amount of Pokemon in any game. I'm pretty sure. I think it'll be as bad as the, almost less no, Pokemon in the first one. No, it is. No, it's not 150. No way. As well, maybe it's the second one. that's no. about the same. Yeah. No, I know. Oh, I'm gonna come yeah. up with some evidence yeah, later. It's about 400 odd or something. But we should talk about Pokemon next week because that's what I would like yeah. to do. Okay. So we can do an episode on that. Yeah. Um, we don't have to specifically do it about the new game, but no, maybe like about Pokemon you know. Too memories and stuff and things and maybe i can give you some of my data that i got from my participants in the survey and we can like discuss it talk. sounds riveting it'll be good it'll be <laughs> yeah. amazing hmm. okay cool. anyway um so today we're going to spend time in this room together for eight hours or something not that long recording probably not that long i'll lock the door so oh <laughs> Guys, um, guys, help me. Yeah. <laughs> you have to get me on. I'm a 401c. <laughs> Ben's trapped me. So what, what have you been doing? Um, what have I been doing? I'm going to refer to the trusty old calendar because <laughs> I honestly can't think more than... Oh, well, the fires have been a bit of a stressor. I've been calling all the people I know in bush areas. Yeah, I'm sure that's made their life better. <laughs> yeah, my uncle my uncle was like, I'm aware of the fires. <laughs> he was like, why are you calling me, essentially? Yeah. And I was like, just ringing... Just seeing, seeing how you're going. So. <laughs> I wanted to make sure if everyone wanted to bring pets over or, or like, if they wanted to do anything. Mm. Most people, I think, are fine. Mm. I think Speaking it, about worrying about locking people in rooms and stuff, you offer that to a lot of people. You're like, yeah, yeah, bring your pets. Yeah. Yeah. Bring your yeah. pets, bring your trailers. Bring your... <laughs> in a madhouse. No, well, no one took me up in the office. So. Wonder why. What? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? What is that supposed to mean? My house is nice. Yeah, I know. It's good. Yeah, you can tell Jack that it's a complete house. <laughs> now it's got a door for the yeah. toilet. Um, what else happened? I didn't work yesterday because Doctor had a seminar, so that was good. Had the day off. Um, oh, we've been doing honey, jarring, putting oh. honey in jars. I didn't bring it. I didn't. I knew you wouldn't want to schlep at home, so I didn't bother bringing it today. You hate schlepping. I know I do hate yeah, schlepping. So it's I, one of my least favourite yeah. things. Oh, I went to the Kaldai Temple opening. I saw. With, yeah, with Chris, yeah. Zoe and Ellie. Um, we went to the... It was in Karamar. To the Goddess Mother. Yeah, the Mother mm. Temple. It was fun. It was nice. Yeah. It, um, there were some politicians there. like Someone named Chris something. He's a Labour MP. And then there was the... Chris Hayes. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. And then, Chris. He's nice. Yeah. Really um, well-spoken politician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. really... I called him up once when I... Because, um, you know, I've been a member of Labour Liberal Grand Yeah, yeah. You're so, a whore in yeah. your way around. So I called up his office once and yeah. I asked him to do something. He's like... And I could hear him yelling from the next room and he's like... It was... Uh, I think he's... he's Deb is his um, PA. And um, he calls out the next room. He's like, who is it? Oh, Ben Bernays. Yeah, okay. No worries. I'll meet with him. All right. No worries. And then... Like, oh, can you tell him, like I said to the PA, can you tell him that, that I've left the Liberal Party now? And he, she goes, oh, hang on a second. She calls out, oh, he's left the Liberal Party. He goes, fuck yeah! <laughs> That's great. He's like cheering. The next That's awesome. It's pretty funny. No, but he's um, a really funny guy. He's, no. So he gave a speech about, because of the, mm. the, and like, I doubt this is going to ever, no one's going to listen to it, but the mayor was there as well, the Fairfield mayor, and he was a fucking idiot. Just really, really. Nick Valich. Is that his name? He's so. Italian guy? Yeah, yeah, I think. Really, oh, is he the old? But yeah, young, he's, he's youngish. I think mm. maybe like forties, fifties. But yeah. he's just his talk was just really disingenuous, and he kept talking about religious pluralism and stuff coming out of um, immigrants and not. Frank Carboni, the Carboni, new guy. Yeah, yeah they, we don't. Mm, I never. In, yeah, 
Yeah. None of the Labour councillors in Fairfield are very nice. There's yeah. a bit of corruption there that's happened in the past. Yeah, he just um he so. gave a big speech about how <clears> there was that we immigrants basically brought religion to Australia and made no mention to Indigenous people. It was really really bad. It was so bad that Chris Hayes, when he came in, addressed it in this first sentence. Um, I thank the traditional owners of the oh, land. Really? Yeah. yeah. So it was like everyone was like. <laughs> <laughs> And then he, it was funny, we sat with them at the table and then he was like, he's like to Tom talking about bees, he's like, tell me about bees in like three minutes. And Tom started talking, just kept interrupting. Tom's like, oh, I'm not going to keep competing with you. Like, do you, you want me to tell you about bees or you want to just keep talking over me? Like, just a really. And my friend Ellie. Yeah. yeah. And my friend Ellie, she's from ICAC and he's like, oh, better watch out. And Ellie's like, he started then like mansplaining ICAC to her. And she's like, are you serious? Like, yeah, anyway, this guy, yeah? Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Bit of a douchebag. Sorry if you're listening. Mm. Um, Mr. Caboni, Carboni, yeah, Frank right. Caboni, you tool. <laughs> no. Mm. Um, that's oh, going to be. We can the... request a mayor's congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> that's a of recognition. Yay. Um, no, I'm sure like he means well and he's. Anyway, I'd always come back and bite me in the ass somehow, but. I'm sure he doesn't mean well. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he does. Anyway, just just the way he spoke was a bit. Um, I don't know. Anyway, the, the opening was really nice, though. But because they, they've you were there when Chris did his. Oh, maybe he's not. Oh, maybe he's independent, man. Oh, interesting. Mm. Anyway, you were there at um. The speech that Chris gave about them building this temple. Did you go to that day? Yes. Yeah. So saying that, remember how there was all this um problems with car parking yes. and things, and the community was really yeah, against normal. it. Yeah. Anyway, so yesterday they had, oh well, not opening. They had like um a dragon dance outside. All right. And they let out crackers. And the dragons were, like, dancing. And all the um, uh, Caldite members were moving over the road. And I could just imagine everyone looking at their roads being like, this is why we didn't want (laughs) it. That was really funny. Yeah. Um, But it was was sweet. And then what else did we do? But it all settled down in a month's time. Yeah. This was just because it was the opening. Yeah. So they were expecting 700 people there, but probably only more like 300 people Mm. came. But it's the um, first female goddess temple... Like, the amount that's been created in the last 10 years is, like, on one hand or something in the Southern yeah. Hemisphere. There's not many female goddess temples, which are pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, other than that, not much else has happened. Hmm. Um, yeah, just bottling honey. Uh, and, yeah, nothing's happened since hmm. then, really. Just trying to get some things written up. Cool. Um, so yep. I was going to be disappointed. Tell him that your honey's coming. You told me you hate slipping. Yeah. I, was doing, I, I said to Tom, I said, should I bring the honey? I'll bring it yeah, in for Ben. And Tom's like, oh, he won't want to carry it home. He'll be Tom's angry. Correct. Yeah, I will be angry, but that's okay. I would do it. Well, I'll bring it for you next Tuesday. Yeah, okay, all right. I'll tell him. Um, okay. So, um, that it? Yep. All right. Um, this episode, we're going to be talking about um, Melissa Raphael's The Female Face of God in Auschwitz. We read... Uh, chapter 3, which is the feminist intimations of the holy in Auschwitz. Um, I'm quite desensitised to the topic of um, Holocaust studies because I teach, I have taught it, um, I teach it regularly, um, working it into a number of my courses, and I read it quite a lot. However, I do understand that it can be distressing to some people and some listeners. Um, so if you are distressed by anything um, like that, it is going to talk about some of the um, grisly and gruesome details of, of Auschwitz and how 
that is interpreted by a female thinker, uh, by a female thinker, and females um, that went through um, the Holocaust and survivors. So yeah, if if you um, are affected by anything like that, then maybe give this episode a miss, or maybe listen with a loved one. Um, and um, I think it's good to start that conversation anyway. And if you are affected by it, the best way is to talk about it. And there are services out there such as Lifeline, um, etc., that you can yep. speak to. Um, so to go into the topic, I found um, some videos, and this is a video of some uh, young girls singing at Auschwitz-Birkenau um, very recently, and it's a move um, done by the Hasidic communities and schools um, to go to Auschwitz and actually sing on those grounds. Uh, and yeah, we'll play that now. Intimations of the Holy in Auschwitz uh, by Melissa Raphael. Melissa Raphael is an academic. Yes. A contemporary academic. Um, yes. Yeah. Did you have anything else to say about Melissa Raphael? Uh, no, I tried to do a little bit of Googling. It wasn't a lot on the interwebs about her, and, but I, I read, started to read through a few reviews of the work, but most people are, are really like Christian perspectives seems like they were really trying to work in with her ideas so she seemed to be quite well regarded by mm. people reviewing it yeah I um, didn't read much negative in, um not the papers I read no 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 um she's in the University of Gloucestershire now just had to make sure double check that she's still there so she is still there um and she is the professor of Jewish theology there mm. Mm. and this is a chapter in a book right it is, and yep. her whole book is on um, the female face of God in Auschwitz. So this is really the meat of the aspect. So she leads up to um, this aspect, and there's two elements to this chapter, I think, that we can talk about, which is Schenkena, um and what that actually means. Yep. Um, and then beyond that is the, um, the aspects of um, women in Auschwitz and then what that results in. Um, for those that don't know... Um, Auschwitz was one of the major camps um, as part of the Holocaust that was set up. Um, so the National Socialist Government of um, Germany, uh, the German Reich, as it was called at the time, um, set up these camps to get rid of um, people that they saw as a waste of resources. That started off with being this disabled um, and um, severely elderly um, in, in hospitals. 
uh, and it quickly turned towards anyone who wasn't matching what was a quote-unquote um, purity of the race. So they created this aspect of the Aryan race, um, completely false, um, because most Aryans actually had some other blood in them. Of course. Um, and they were trying to set up a, a monolithic culture, um, which was just a single um, language, uh, single race, uh, and single people all doing exactly the same thing at the same time. Um, and that meant that you had people outside of that. And those people had a view um, uh, different in the world and a connection to an existing people um, in Israel. Um, and those are the Jewish people that were actually thrown out of um, Jerusalem um, yeah, in, in the first century um, and spread through Europe. Um, so they gathered those people, particularly from the German uh, area, but then also from the nations that they were taking over, um, gathered them up, herded them onto to, um, cattle trucks um, or carts, rather, on trains and shipped them to forced labour camps and anyone who couldn't do forced labour... Um, or anyone that was excess forced labour, because they had enough prisoners at one point to do uh, labour, they were um, gassed, um, burnt, uh, or shot, and um, yeah, killed, exterminated. Six million people. Yeah. A lot of people. Mm. So, what did you think of this Raphael's... Let's talk about her style of writing. Yeah, I found it a lot better to read than uh, Lebanon last week. Um, mm. Obviously, just because she's contemporary and she's writing as an academic, not writing as a philosopher, purely philosophical. Yes. Um, and I thought that her argument was quite easy to follow. I liked all the examples that she gave. of, mm. of um, So she really, um, obviously, engages with the um, the writings and r reports of women um, during the Holocaust, which I thought was really yeah. helpful. It really added um, a layer of, of realness to something which could have all just been very quite theoretical. Yeah, a lot of and then she brings in a philosopher as well, yes. and so she's going in between a couple of, you know, yeah, of stories. but I, I like that rather than just sometimes, you know, philosophy can, can seem quite removed. So mm. I, I like that she's really placing it as, like, mm. concrete examples. Yeah, well, she says... Um, it's going to be more flicking this week. <laughs> Everyone loves flicking. So we didn't have any feedback about whether they like the flicking or not. Maybe they dislike it. Um, she calls it... What does she say? It's not a... Quant yeah. Mine is not a quant uh, quantitative the uh, theology contingent upon circumstance. It is qualitative, ethical theology theology concerning with the practical restoration of persons as created images of the divine. So she's actually gone through and says, well, no, this is proof yeah. of this. You know, these, these stories actually prove what I'm saying and yes. this is actually, I'm reporting on that. Yeah. Rather than going, mm -hmm, maybe definitely. Not. Yeah. That's probably the only some of the aspects I didn't understand as well is the real theo theology aspects. Yeah. Because someone that's not, um, you don't have a theology degree, so you're from. Well, also yeah. I don't believe in God, so yeah. some of those more like because she does talk a lot about God and and it's mm. it's not a God as in like any it's not sort of the more, um. Could be anything kind of God, like a booba, it could be nature, it could be whatever. Yeah. I get the impression this is very much God, as in God in the Hebrew. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's, right. It was very... 
theological. So that, yeah. that was a bit harder for me. Well, not necessarily hard for me to read, but hard for me to engage with. Does that make sense? For somebody yeah, that doesn't I can understand. Necessarily and I think that there is this element that is not... Oh, it's sort of explained, but not really well explained, mm. um, about what Shenkana is. Yeah. So maybe we can... Definitely. That's sort of... Like, I got... I definitely understood the crux of finding... Of women being able to get into touch with God through the little ceremonies that they were doing by cleaning them and, and recognizing that in their face and also not degrading themselves as the um, the sol German soldiers were doing um, oh. in the sense that they were basically put in a position to be like filth. They weren't able to clean themselves properly. Yep. And so that in, that by trying to clean each other and still touching each other, they stopped themselves believing they're untouchable. Because if you are in a position where you're in dirt and grime and you don't you can't clean yourself, it's easy to think of you suddenly think of yourself as being that you know, you know, does that make sense? You know, people being yeah, they were disgusted like... with each other. Exactly. So that's that's the problem. But can yeah. we just go back yeah, yeah. a couple of steps? So let, let's talk about Schenkena, and then I think that we can talk about the the interaction mm -hmm. and how that's possible with the knowledge that we've learned from Levinar, Buba, and then yeah. you know this. So Schenkena is a word that exists in the Hebrew Bible and the um, the Talmud. Um, it means Basically, spirit that dwells. So God's spirit that dwells, um, and she she refers to God in the feminine throughout the text. Yeah. Um, so when I say her, that's that's what she's actually talking about. Um, so here in biblical text, the term shenkna is merely grammatically feminine and indicates the sense as being as a sacred being in a sacred place. Shenkna comes from the room Shenken, which uh, to be present or dwell as in the tabernacle, sanctuary or tent. And the term was often used to denote God's presence in the desert camp or temple. Yep. So the Shenkenah there is God's actual presence. Now you can't separate in um, Judaism, it's not like a tripartite relationship of God through Christianity where you've got, okay, this is the Holy Spirit's person, this is Jesus' person, this is God the Father's person, and this is the different iterations of those, you know, yep. in spaces. It is all God, so it is it is a singular God. But if God is everywhere, then how come it's also, how can it be Shankana? Wouldn't it always be there? Like... God is, is everywhere, or it is possible to be everywhere. So how you can realize that, yeah. it's difficult because you can't ascertain exactly what God is. There has um, yeah, yeah, that's no... Yeah, that's about Yeah, yeah. So the only way that you can move towards that is the potentiality of creating a space where God can dwell. But God's already there. Yeah, but God will be um, known to be in that space if there is the active effort of the individuals so, working okay. together to create this space of mm -hmm. saying, okay, this is the space that God dwells. This is where our our um, effort and our knowledge is going to be pointed towards. So, so, so God's always there, but there's only certain times that you can feel his presence. Presence, yeah. So how God's presence can be felt according to the Hebrew yeah. religion and, and then Judaism yeah. that follows thereafter is following the laws of Leviticus, yeah. creating the family space, and actually the engagement of each other in that space yeah. can actually create God's house there. So every Jewish household then becomes the temple. 
every Jewish household is is the synagogue. And yes, you have that synagogue worship as well, which is the special place for God's experience, which you're following. Right, um, I understand. Yeah. Now, that can be shared with the... What she's done here is actually matching this with Levinas' theories. Mm. And she talks about Buber as well yeah. in the, the shared look of each other. Um... Because basically she's trying to answer a problem. So she's trying to say, how is it if you take away um, all the normal sort of religious ceremonies that Jewish people could do mm. and, and taking the, um, you know, those spaces away, were, how were women able to really practice their Jewishness, right? The Judaism yes. faith. Yeah, how because were they able to manifest men, it? Um, it is possible for men to... You know, sneak the Torah in, basically. Yeah. Um, abide by some of the laws. Yeah. Um, while they're in the camps. While they're in the yeah. camps, yes. But, and and that, um, I've read a lot of Holocaust literature, um, and that is true. That is a, a focused effort, because that's exceptional. Like, to be able to have a rabbi or a rebbe um, for a Hasidic community, um, just a leader, so it's like an elevated status of rabbi, mm. to the rebbe. Um, if the rebbe knowingly went into the camps with their community, which happened a lot of the times, had the beard shaven, had the, you know, head coverings and the shawls removed, had the prayer shawls actually removed and cut up, but then still to do synagogue practice yeah. and, and prayer services that would normally be taking place in the synagogue. That is exceptional. It's amazing that yeah. that could actually be done. Yeah. Um, underneath the Nazis' nose, like right in the heart of Nazi Germany, uh, Poland, but yeah, Nazi yeah, German yeah. in the Reich. Um, and then for them to continue practicing that, I understand why there's a lot of literature that's focused on that. Mm -hmm. Women's aspect, though, so women in the um, Orthodox Jewish world, it is not their place to be inside the synagogue and practice that. Yes, yeah, so there's no way they could have snuck a Torah and started putting, put, to doing their own little no, ceremonies, no, right? because that's yeah. not what they're called to do. Yeah, their yes. position is, is building that temple within the home. But that's if you right. don't have the home, how do you do that? Exactly, yeah. yeah so that's all removed. And then what, what Raphael is saying here, that there is a systematic process of what the Nazis have done. They've gone through and they've removed um, the elements of the home purposefully and destroyed the aspects um, as people were on the trucks. And, uh, yeah, so Auschwitz, she says, is profane. Auschwitz, as a profanization uh, onto death, because profanization means the unchecked patriarchal power made all things available that is profane for its own use, having forcibly removed them from the protected sphere of the holy. It's actually completely broken apart. Um, mm. This is from um, someone uh, called Pelagia Lewinska, and she says that women were to die in their own filth, to drown in the mud in our own excrement. They wished to abase us to destroy our human dignity, to efface every vestige of humanity, to fill us with the, uh, the contempt towards ourselves and our fellows. Such was the purpose and idea behind it all. The Germans made the perfect job of it. They knew we were incapable of looking at each other without disgust. Yeah. 
so, so yeah so how do you create any sense of, of god in in these sorts of positions yeah. that's what she's sort of that's right. right so you have no children yeah. so your children have been taken away from you yeah. you're on these trucks or you know carts whatever yeah. um you're with other women you don't have a household yeah you have no availability of going to the synagogue and you practice. can't cook friday night no meals either. no there's no sabbaths yeah no shabbats um you um have no rebbe near you at all so you are there in, with women, and it's just dirt, grime, and muck that yeah. you're, you're and sitting there's, and in. And cleanliness, in, especially in Judaism, is really important, right? Absolutely. Because it's, it's, yeah. it's making things, um, you're not meant to have things that are profane, and that's what she's saying, mm. is that they're setting a perfect situation where everything is profane. Yeah. That, yeah. That's what the well, they cut up, she, soldiers are. She yeah. says that they cut up prayer garments and shawls and use them as underwear. Yeah. Um, for the people. Like, they purposefully cut those up and purposely got them sewn into underwear so that the prisoners yeah. were, like... And, and inside that environment, um, you, you're drinking out of vats of soup, basically, which has just got the minimum amounts of um, grain um, in it for people to survive, um, which means that diarrhea yeah. spreads and, you know, disease spreads through the camps. And there is defilement constantly happening. Yeah, and often they would had no way to wash themselves. There was no, no water. Um, to the, and the, any water they had, they'd be trying to drink it and looking for thirst, quenching mm. thirst. For That's thirst. right, yeah. So in that experience, you have um, uh, Rabbi Mendele, um, the altar of Pabinas, um, which is a, a pretty cool title. Yeah. Altar of Pavanus. Um, he said in Treblinka, when he comes across the bleeding body of a baby lying on the ground, so this is in the absolute mark and, and everyone's looking at this as dirty, that this is holiness. He's holding the child. This is holiness, purer than all purity, a Jewish child. These defiled ones, when they see the Jewish child in the arms of his mother, are immediately filled with the urge to murder, the forces of Tumah, Demonic defilement cannot endure the sight of holiness, the spirit of purity that hovers over the face of the Jewish child. Yeah. So he flips it and says, well, no, it's not the Germans that are pure and clean. And this is where um, Raphael continues and says yeah. that it's even though... You know, the German it's not a Reich, physical cleanliness. Yeah, the German yeah. Reich is all about cleanliness. You know, big roads, the autobahns, and, you know, the big yeah. um, structures that were created in, in um, Germany and um, Berlin in particular with these big amphitheatres where people stand there, the very clean uniform of the SS. Yeah. It's all very, looks very clean on the surface, but actually that's not what it is. Yeah. Um, but he, she's not really talking about physical cleanliness. That's important. It and is, it yes. was important not just for religious reasons. It's important anyway in those mm. sorts of situations mm. because that's how you yeah. get sick in those that's right. areas. So there's, there's that aspect. But he, she's not saying that it's contingent. It's not like she's saying if we're basing it just on cleanliness, well, you're not saying that – she's obviously not saying the German soldiers mm. were more holy because they're cleaner and yeah. then the Jewish people are not as holy because it's dirty. Obviously, yes. it's a spiritual cleanliness. That's right. right. And yeah. the cleanliness can come out of anything. And this is the, the most – amazing part where she says that the cleanliness could come out of not only um you know the the potentiality of cleaning and i think we'll get onto the face in yeah. a second so i just wanted to read sorry i've got so many underlines with this, um, grace, resistance. 
Is it 69? Are you talking about? 78. 78. Okay, it comes earlier where she's talking about um, using urine. Yeah. Yeah, so they, they clean each other, uh, clean themselves with urine sometimes, which is, is done. But this in cleaning each other, that here in Belson, her daughter, young daughter, she's talking about um, someone in, in the Krakow ghetto um, previously. So her daughter's left in hiding. Is it here? Yeah. Um, yeah. Her young daughters left in hiding. She and the other women supported one another emotionally and helped one another to keep filth at bay. They shared food, tried to wash one's, uh, one of each other's hair with a rat's coffee, and used needles improvised with splinters of wood to knit and sew one another garments made from the unraveled threads of their blankets. So they're just... They're using grime and dirt, like a Rett's coffee is not something that you clean with. It's, yeah. it's crappy mud coffee and it's not real coffee. It's just garbage, basically. Yeah. Um, using that to clean each other. Yeah. Like in, in trying to build some sort of um, preservation of the self. She talks about earlier where, um, you know, the, the woman that's um, in the toilet and dies... At the toilet? Did you read that? Yeah, because it well, there was like at sometimes the obviously the um the filth just got too much for people, and mm. that that they would leave this person in the mud. No, yeah. everyone just turned their eyes from her, that's and right. she died. And, and inside that hall, like she's saying, yeah, that that's defilement because they're all individual. They can't move at all. They're not trying to make effort to clean each other, and they're just um, exhausted yeah. and just dying in this crime. That's not where how Shankanar happens. So how Shankanar is happening and how that experience of God is happening yeah. is the effort of looking at each other's face, and this is where I, why I wanted to read this yeah. after Levina, um, and the aspect of cleaning each other's face actually enables Shankanar. So cleanliness is matched with holiness. Yeah. Um, not to say that those people that, that couldn't do it or would... Like, they didn't have time because they went straight on to... And she makes this point as well. Yeah. Went straight on the trains or were too tired or too... Like, yeah. it's not to say that, that they're any less or spiritual or whatever. They might not yeah. have had that chance. Or, yeah. Yeah, I think that's, mm, that's a bit unfair because certain people were just so debilitated that yeah. sometimes they can't even Absolutely. wipe the fucking stuff off people's faces. Yeah. You know what I mean? They were just dying. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I think it's important to, to say that you know, every, people were doing the best they could in the Yeah, absolutely. Situations. Yeah, and everyone did the best they could in the situation that they were in. Like, you can't... Uh, I don't think it's fair to, to try and guess what people would do in exactly. that experience. But, yeah, I, I totally think it's amazing that women were finding the time to be able to, to wipe the grime off each other's face with mm. more grime, not just because it would make their lives easier for a practical reason, because it is better to be clean, but because they were creating a pure space in, in not just the wiping of the grime saying yeah. that, that but the fact that they're willing to touch each other like that yeah sharing and that the community touch is, in, in, is important as well and mm. that was really um special and i understood that's what she was saying um and that she talked about the ter- hebrew term kippah um so she says merely to touch another one was to clean her of impurity by a gentle wiping the hebrew term kippah is often translated as the verb to atone or expiate but is more precisely a synonym of maha to wipe away or hesia so to remove so it's almost like yeah removing all the the bad like um bad things that have happened mm. it's trying it's like a gesture 
Yes, yeah, it is a gesture, and that, that shared gesture between each other creates that holy space. And this is where she says is the element of holiness for women in Auschwitz. So where we talk about men, it's easy to get that because you go, okay, point at Rabbi, yeah. Rebbe, or Rabbi, um, reading Torah. You know, people choosing not to eat during the Shabbats. Yeah. Um, you know, and fasting and those elements. Yeah, easy to point to that. A lot more difficult with women, um, but actually more prevalent almost. Yeah. Um, which is quite phenomenal. And, yeah, also probably more resourceful because they mm. have really had nothing. Like, yeah. there's not many, without the home, there's not many opportunities for the women to practice, That's right. right? So, yeah. you know, and the way they dress and things like that. Yeah. This is a, was a way of almost creating that space where they would otherwise would be unable to practice. Yeah. And... And she talks about a few examples where the women were aware that, that that's what they're doing. But a lot of it was probably un... It's not like... They probably just were naturally wanting to do that as well. It's very just a hum, hum, humanity reason. Well, that's the thing with Levina and, and Buba. Yeah. And they say that this is a normal thing. Yeah. That if you share the look between you and the other person, yeah. it shakes you an experience. And it actually makes you work. It yeah. makes you, you... You can make that connection. And she links to Buba and Levina yeah. in that way. So in this experience, these women are doing that. Yeah. That they, they are... And this is proof of what yeah. Levina and Buba are saying. It's almost a practicality element to it. But I don't think it's uniquely to Jewish women. I no. think people, anybody would be able to do this yeah. and find um, like empathy for each other. And, and, yeah. Yeah. But and, I, and, and Levina and, and Buba recognise that, yeah. that it is the shared look of humans. It's not just the shared look of between two Jewish people, yeah. and that's not their point. Yeah. Um, Judaism has certain rules and guidelines and it's a connection of, of a community together and... Um, Abraham Infeld's um, definition of the five-legged table of what Judaism is helps in that way. Yeah. Um, but none of these thinkers are saying, oh, yeah, actually, for you to share this experience, you have to be Jewish. That's yeah. not the thing. But there is something exceptional with being inside Auschwitz when you have the death of your people surrounding you yeah. and you're inside this experience that you can actually show um, connection to another human. Um, and that is holy. What I didn't understand is when she's talking about God profaning herself. Like, so God, by being there. Like, there was towards the end when she was talking about, like, God physically coming, almost physically coming and going. Well, shaken is, like, dwelling in the space. Yeah. So, the, the space. Yeah. So I the, didn't really understand that. Like, that, okay. that God wouldn't normally have been there. No, because, okay, if you think about it in the temple regard or, or yeah. being in the synagogue, that that is the Shankanah God space where cleanliness has to be. Um, an element there for God be able to dwell, right? So God must dwell within the household if you are keeping the the laws of Torah and Leviticus and these other ways. But God is actually shown herself or himself inside the camps with the sharing of a woman using the dirt and grime off the ground to clean each other's face. And that's where God dwells. So that breaks every Levitical law. You know, women are not living as per the Leviticus laws. You've got the usage of of dirt and grime. Um, Kosher is not being kept. There's no kosher law, like food. Would you have really staunch um, Orthodox Jewish people reading this and disagreeing, like saying this isn't... Um, like, well, we're saying, well, looking, if we look at the Leviticus, then it's not, like, is this, but she's trying to make a case that it, it is, that God 
is able to be there. But if maybe you were really strict, you'd say, well, God, there's not, it's not possible. It's not in the Hebrew There are some ultra-strict Jewish thinkers that think that the way that you should talk about the Torah is not this way. Right. So it's even the way that it's being spoken right. about is, is not the way. So you need to just read as per how the Torah is and engage yeah. with the Torah through the Talmud and the discussion yeah. with the rabbis. So that's that's different, and it's a different way to engage the things. And I've read texts like that, and that's yeah. more difficult to get into. Um, but... Something like this, um, yeah, I don't know. I haven't heard, I haven't seen any critiques, um, really, of Raphael's works. I think she does a lot of qualification early in the chapter yeah. um, to try and um, stamp out the assumption that she is tying women to the kitchen sink, you know, and saying that women can only find holiness through um, being in the household or the home. Um, yeah. for, for the Hasidic community or, or orthodoxy. Um, and she's not trying to argue that. She's saying that there's it's a different type of role. Yeah. Yeah, so it's just interesting talking about God's own profanity. I found that hard to get my head around it. Like, So mm. she says, in sum, the recursive relationship relation between God and humanity is such that the degradation that befell the Jews also befell God imminent at as a Shekinah. But God is also too holy to be profound, so that as God overcame God's own profanation, profanation, profanation. Jewry also bore at least the shadow of the divine face passing over its own. Humanity was redeemed in God's redemption by humanity. Yeah. I don't know, I find that a bit hard to understand. Okay, so it's pretty So, like, like God can come in and go, and, like, but God's also everywhere, but God can only be seen at certain times. Shekinah dwells, so it's God dwelling in a space. But God can not be knowable anyway. That's you. right. Yeah, so, so which means... So God can't be knowable and God can't take on any aspects. Therefore, God cannot be defiled. Defied. Defiled? Yeah, defiled. Yeah. Um, so because God can't be defiled, yeah. God comes, dwells in that space, in that shared experience of, of the cleaning of the face. But how can God dwell if God doesn't... Know, like, we don't know anything about God and God has no real physical aspect, right? Because the apathetic... God is unknowable, untouchable. Right. How yeah. can it have presence? So you can you can step towards that element of God and maybe get some sort of understanding of. And it's understood. Apophatic theologians talk about how it's the shining of the moon on the surface of the water. So if I look at the the shining of the water, and I see the moon's surface, already the moon is re- removed from me. It's in the sky. I can assume what that body, that celestial body, may be. Right. But it's removed from me. But does that mean once it's... you leave the temple, you could go do anything you want? Like, once you're out of that, this um, Shekinah, you could... Shekinah. Shekinah. God yeah. can't see what you're doing? No, no, because God um, may know all and may see, and sees all. Okay. Yeah. It's confusing. Yes. Yeah. But it, But God isn't present all the time. God is present all the time, but, but God is not present um, to you. Like, <laughs> it's not um, like the. Um, I guess evangelical Christians talk about it all the time. You know, Jesus is with me all the time. Yeah, just hanging over Jesus. my shoulder. Yeah, yeah. Your personal Jesus. Listening to you when you've lost your keys and yeah, trying to find yeah. it. No, kind no, of God. no, no. Yeah. You have to make effort. Like, there has to be stepping towards to be able to enable you to have a closer connection with yeah. allowing God to be there. But yeah, this this calling upon God whenever you need so like a with, mystical friend to help you find keys. Well, did Orthodox Jewish people pray all the time or only yeah. in certain situations? They may pray all the time, yes. Okay. Yeah. But to understand, 
to to have an understanding of God and to become closer to God, there needs to be concerted effort, and that has to be clean household, abiding by the laws, and then at certain moments with you know a shared experience of the family around the table. Oh, so it's more about preparing yourself it. for God. Yes. So it's about how you could prepare your body yes, to be ready right. to, yeah. to be able to maybe receive God that's in, right. in those yeah. moments. Yeah, and for Raphael, she's yeah. saying, okay, well, this is all laws for individuals, yeah. but really the law is about the community and the law actually affects the personhoods yeah. of people in a shared space. So these women, yes, they've been removed from the family. Yeah. They've made a family on themselves. And by making the family of themselves, they clean each other's faces yeah. um, and they use each other. Yeah, so it's more as... about the intent, not about the result. That's right. And yes. that the, the, because they're intending and they're trying to prepare each other f- mm. for it, God is able to come. Yeah, but it's free. not even for preparing for God. It's, it's about bringing humanity between each other, which can then result yeah. in some of these survivors thinking that this is giving themselves some sort of restoration of humanity yeah. or restoration. And God's able to come into the to Auschwitz because mm. of those moments. That's right. But normally it would be too profane. You would think, no, yeah, it would be way too profane and we shouldn't talk about that and that's not not available there. So yeah. this is like it's a destruction of the, the our community no matter what. Um, but this is... Um, Elevating the 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 um, actions of those survivors. Yeah, and there's obviously like intricacies of Judaism belief in God that I probably just don't mm. understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then you have yeah. orthodoxy and Hasidic Jews. You know, so, so it's, it's even further. Like it's yeah, um, but yeah, if you think of it in the apophatic sense, which is the closest iterations of, of how God is actually um, yeah. uh, thought of in Judaism, yeah, um, through Moshe's Maimonides, um, which I hope to read one day with you. Yeah. But it's a, it's a different kind of God because I guess in those more like kind of Protestant Christians, it's like God, Jesus died for your sins. Jesus has already done that. He'll be there for you. He's yep. got your back. Whereas yep. I understand J- Jewish God is more like um, you have to work, prepare yourself to be kind of ready for yep. God. Yep, God's not right. just being there like, here I am. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm here yeah, for yeah, you, bro. Yeah. Like, yeah. But even with the Christian God, um, it's only a part of God's existence that we can understand through Jesus. Yeah. Like, it, that's what the Christians believe. Yeah. Um, they still have the mystery element of it. Yeah. That's more so with um, Orthodoxy and some of the Eastern religions, maybe some high Catholic churches, yeah. but generally low Catholic churches, Protestant religions yeah. and evangelicals, very much on the personal side of, of Jesus. You know, Jesus is your mate. Yeah, well, it's like Jesus is there for you, you're not there for Jesus. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I grew up in a split Catholic Orthodox family. Yeah, and background is is, is Jewish, um, and I'd only heard prayers as in set prayers at the table. Yeah. Right. So I'd never heard people personally praying. Yeah. Until later, much, much later in my life. And then I was around a family that started. Uh, they go, "Oh yeah, can we say grace?" I'm like, "Yeah, do whatever. It's your house, no worries." Yeah, yeah. And then they start having like a chat. Yeah, Jesus I find it at really the end weird. of the table, I'm like, what are you guys doing? And then I figured like they're just making this up as they go because they start like putting my name into things. I'm like, whoa, this is. <laughs> yeah, did, oh, Jesus, thanks for bringing Ben here. Yeah, I, I find. But it yeah, really it's like weird. the Catholic and Orthodox, you don't, they don't really do that. Yeah. They just say these set prayers, and then you have like this inner monologue almost that that's what yeah i find it really hard to know that jesus is just like ready he's like oh ben needs to find his keys like i'm there for you bro yeah. like, 
there they are, you know. Yeah. But, but those kids yeah. over there in Africa, like, don't yeah. care. <laughs> Didn't pray hard enough. Yeah, I yeah. find that whole personal Jesus. The orthodoxy and, and, and Catholicism sort of get away with that because you've got the saints, which have got the personal element of it. Yeah. So you go, you know, you pray, oh, Where's, something's yeah, gone Anthony. wrong. <laughs> yes, and Anthony, please, you know. Yeah. yeah, so that becomes a more personal aspect yeah. of it. Um, but it's just different because, yeah. The, the I guess what I find hard is almost like a contradiction. Like God's unknowable, not there, but yep. also has a presence. I find that hard to understand. Mm. But I think that's the think same. Think about it as the moonlight on the surface of yeah. the water. So the moon's not there. Yeah. The moon, yeah, okay, it's up in the sky, but yeah. the moon is not there on the water because right. it's a reflection, it's a reflection, yeah? But we can still have some element of understanding of the potentialities of what that might be. We can yeah. only guess towards it based upon what our own understandings are. But it's very far removed. But it seems really important, though, as well, that, that, that mm. these these things are set up for those reflections to come through. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that space needs to be strived. Striven? Strive? Sh- Strove? Struven. <laughs> must, must be striven for. <laughs> striven for. Um, um, no, I, I yeah. think I, we could spend all day just discussing God mm. and Judaism. Say it's something I find hard to understand. Um, I would be happy to do that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I, well, I think that, that sums up her stuff. Was there anything that you, th- um, saw any passages you thought were uh, awesome that you now. wanted to, I, I might read just the, the part where it's a linking to Levina right in the oh, beginning, yeah. which I think will be useful. Cause if you're listening to this with Buba, Levina, and then, um, Raphael, um, so it's in the, the second page of the reading, which is page 61st, Abraham Joshua Herschel. Uh, insists that the imminent presence of God is dependent on human partnership with God. The presence is not one reality and the sacred deed of another. The sacred is the divine in disguise. Second, Emmanuel Levinar has argued that God is revealed discreetly only as trace, discernible to the face-to-face interhuman relation. That confrontation with the other is a fu- is uh, is a fundamentally ethical moment, revealing the holiness of the face as a singularity which must not be harmed. Now the face is the traditional metronym for divine presence in Jewish theology, and in its human face, the, pres- the presentative image of God. Mm, I like that. I like that, that Buber and Levin were talked quite early on. Yeah. Being yeah, yeah. brought in. I like this part on orthodox and feminism. So... Um, Nonetheless, read against the grain and without advocating its regressive sexual politics. Orthodox rhetoric can suggest a properly feminist construction of female sacrality within the particular conditions of Auschwitz. Religious feminists who wish to affirm female difference rather than erasing it in the name of equality with the male norm, the historical historic tendency um, of Reformed Judaism, must take seriously the orthodox contention that women have, in effect, through their own meticulous, halakhilly, governed, purificatory and separative practices, the priestly power to mediate the presence of God. As such, women's covenant with God is as much a priestly vocation as men's. So I really like that she's she's staking a claim of, of ritual, women, Jew, Jewish rituals within... Um, the Holocaust and mm. saying that, that mm. it did happen and that we can't just gloss over and mm. focus on the easier to understand male um, representations of it. And I think that's really important because they did the best they could with what they could and it's just as important. It, it's not so much the result or what they were able to achieve, it's the intention yep. that they were trying to invite by doing that, inviting God's mm. presence in. I think that's really important. Yeah. 
Um, anything else? Because, yeah, because the critique of, of feminists might be like, well, why are you saying that all Jewish women's stuff is to do with the home? Like, mm. you know what I mean? Like preparing the meal or, you know, that can't be, you know, that they that's not fair, that that's women's only. But what she's trying to say is that that the home what is, I don't know, it's hard to understand. I, I find it hard to unpack, but... Well, it's... Creating the space for the community is the women's role in the community. Yep. So women must exist in the community to, to hold, yep. it's like the glue holding everything together. Um, and that can result in cleaning as well as many other things. Yeah. And then cleaning here, um, she links on page 68, is an act of defy uh, defilement. Yeah. Um, so cleaning becomes resistance. So for, for some of us, it was something more. The act of will to show ourselves we could defy Auschwitz. It was our part of protest that we said we will not let ourselves be broken. Yep. Mm. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then she goes on and says merely to touch another was to clean her of impurity by gentle wiping. Yeah. Just the touch. Um, often enough, all that was needed was a gentle stroke, a comforting word, a tiny token of affection. Yeah. That, that's by Lucy Aldersberger. I also like when they were talking, just bringing back to the home of all the meals that they wanted to prepare and, and like they were making yeah. fabricated meals and, and they were inviting women to their home as well. So I think whilst this is important for the connection of community and also bringing you know god within auschwitz it's also it was important for hope and having hope that they would get out mm. don't you think mm. yeah and yeah, preparing so. like trying to be clean and trying to you know put, think of the meals and they would invite them say well you have to visit my home when we go yeah so i think that's also it was really about bringing hope in as well mm. sharing recipes i think is a yeah it's quite an amazing thing um yeah no i think it was a good text and it was a nice way to sum up the two weeks we've spent reading the other text as well yeah i think um having some sort of practical element sometimes with those those um philosophies you're right it's it's easier to ascertain yeah. but i think you miss certain things with this if you had not read levinar and bubo and understood mm. the importance of the element of seeing the face because yeah. this comes up over and over again definitely with this text so this is why i like this and bubo's i felt like they were giving lots of examples whereas mm. levinar feels like it just like goes on and on about yeah this feels very theoretical but okay. i understand why the, the face stuff is important because it's basically mm. the crux of her theories yep but no yep. i thought it was good good oh all right well, um, to close off, uh, we've already spoken about what we're going to do next week, haven't we? No. Oh, okay. I don't know what we're doing next week. Uh, Pokemon. Oh, yeah, Pokemon. Are we going to review okay. a particular game? or? I think we can talk about the whole series. Yeah. Maybe talk about our memories of, um, you know, cartoons and, and, you know, TCG as well. But, yeah, I'd, I'd like to hear what your favourite Pokemon is. Uh, and, yeah why it is Charmander. Wait, um, it's not Charmander. 
It's yeah, your favourite. That was one. a joke. Oh. <laughs> I always say that on, on our Facebook page. I'm like, yeah, tell us what your favourite Pokemon is and why it's Charmander. And you've got these people going, it's not Charmander. Yeah, yeah. like I just did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's trap. quite funny. Um, all right, so to close off, um, so that will come next week. Um, we are going to listen to When I Am Silent, which is a song for a girl in Auschwitz. It's by the Lindy, uh, Lindsay Wilson Concert choir um, from the fall of 2014. Enjoy! Mm-hmm. 